This is Life, Body, Business, Impact with Fatima. Welcome, friends. I'm so grateful to have you here. I'm your host, Fatima Ingalls, fitness expert, best-selling author, lifestyle entrepreneur, founder of the Life, Body, Business, Fit Systems, and co-founder of the amazing Freedom Retreats. My mission is to positively impact 10 million lives, to inspire you to wake up and live from your bucket list of dreams instead of waking up one day with a bucket list of regrets. Get ready to be inspired with weekly episodes and interviews that disrupt your thinking and motivate you to build your best life, body and business. To change one life is to change many. So come with me now and let's get started with yours. Hey there, beautiful people. Thanks again for joining in for another episode. I have a little surprise for you today. Today is my first solo episode. So being that we're up to episode 22, I thought it was about time that I jumped in here and shared a little bit more about myself and why it was that I started this podcast. So essentially the life body business impact is all about changing one life to change many. And I have a strong belief that we need to have a holistic approach. So quite often people will be really successful when it comes to their career, but their relationships are failing. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, relationships with people, friends, family, and so on. Or they might be doing really well in their health and fitness. You know, they've got killer health and fitness, but their career isn't so great or the relationship isn't so great. I honestly believe that if you do not address your life as a whole, you can't live your best life, your your absolute best life. So it requires every piece of the puzzle to have the best life possible and to live from a bucket list of dreams rather than a bucket list of regrets. Now, what does that require? It requires looking after yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. I mean, you might get away with having really great fitness or having a really great career for a period of time, not addressing all those areas of your life, but it will 100% catch up with you. So through my own journey, which has, there's quite a big story there, which I'm not going to go completely into now. I'll save that for another episode. I found fitness. So essentially when I was 31, a little bit of background for you. When I was 31, I became a widow. My husband committed suicide. You may have listened to other episodes and heard a little bit about that or see that I often talk about men's health and the importance of that in my social media. It's so important to me because Firstly, I've got three sons. Secondly, my husband committed suicide. He is one of eight men who commit suicide on a daily basis in Australia. 75% of suicides are men. So, and it's not only that, I love humanity. I love people and I care that they have the best in their life and that they live their absolute best life. And I know that sounds a little bit cliched, but I honestly am so passionate about that. I realized through my own journey how important it was to start taking care of my physical fitness and my emotional and mental health or fitness, if you like. So at the age of about 32, I joined a gym and I was so damn scared to join the gym because I was worried about how much it was going to cost me. At the time, I think it was about eight or $900 for the whole year, but I was so worried being a widowed mum of three kids and having to start my life all over again, because I really did have to start all over again. I was scared that I would spend that money on going to the gym and that I really should be spending it on bills and kids and all sorts of things. But I'm so glad that I did that. My mother encouraged me to join the gym. And she said, essentially, you're going to get back what you spend tenfold 
by going to the gym. So I started and went to the gym. And to be honest, I was so scared of going to the gym because I was so worried about not knowing what I was doing and looking like a fool. And now I know, you know, people are in the gym, they're just worried about themselves and looking at themselves and what they're doing. So if you've been there, I get it. So what happened, I went to the gym and I would go at the time when I knew the elderly, the older people were there, right? So in the middle of the day, if I could, when there wasn't too many people around, because that was kind of safe. And I would go and work out in a safe area. And I had this plan to go to the main big gym floor to try doing different types of weights. But I also had an escape route. So the way the gym was set up, I would go and work out in the cardio type area. Then I'd walk up these stairs and think, right, I can go to the main gym floor to try out the weights. But if I walk this way, there's also, instead of going left to the main gym floor, I can go right, which takes me down the stairs towards the exit. So that was my plan. If I walked towards that big gym area and I saw that there was too many people and I felt intimidated, I could just keep walking to the right and walk straight out of the gym. And let me tell you, I did that more times than I can count because I was so scared and intimidated about going into the gym, worrying about what people thought, what I looked like and actually not knowing what the hell I was doing. So I eventually decided to get a personal trainer and then I became addicted. Having a personal trainer, I felt safe. Like someone was there essentially to hold my hand and teach me how to do things properly. But I would still try and book her in at a time, and it had to be a female at the time, to book her in at a time that it wasn't busy. Because even with my personal trainer, when she would take me into the big gym floor, if it was busy and there were a lot of people, I would freak out. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to look like a fool. So what was going on there? At the time where I was at mentally, I was someone who actually cared what other people thought of me. Guess what? I don't do that anymore. I don't care what anyone thinks of me in any area of my life. But that is where I was at mentally at the time. So I got addicted, had the personal trainer, started getting um, stronger and just loving going to the gym and how it was helping me with my mental state because I had post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression. This was within you know, just within a year of my husband having committed suicide and me basically uprooting my whole life five months after he'd committed suicide, packing up my children and moving state. So just for some context, when my husband committed suicide, I had three sons. I was working full time, more than full time, maybe 60 hours a week. It was ridiculous. And I had a one-year-old, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So I packed up, moved away from all of my family and my support network for a completely new start because the environment that I was living in, in the Northern Territory, where my husband had committed suicide, where I was born and lived most of my life, was absolutely toxic. There was a lot of nastiness surrounding um, his suicide and the huge fallout that came from that. So getting into exercise was really helping my mental state. So one day I looked into doing a personal trainer's course, not because I wanted to be a personal trainer, because at the time I thought, ooh, who would want to be a personal trainer? That would be the worst. Making people exercise when they don't want to exercise, that's what I thought being a personal trainer was. But I looked into doing the course because I wanted to understand the connection between my brain, my state and moving my body physically and also what I was putting in my mouth. Because at the time, I had also started changing what I was eating. Why? Because I had autoimmune disease. So I had something called vitiligo uh, and I later also had alopecia. So vitiligo, don't know if you remember Michael Jackson and how they say he sort of bleached his skin. He had white patches. Essentially what it is, is your pigmentation cells, your your immune system is turning on your pigmentation. So basically eating the pigment within your skin. So I'm a tanned person and a tanned skin girl and my skin was going white. I had white patches. I've still got one on the back of my neck. They were starting to come up on my face, on my neck, 
on my arms. It was just, it absolutely freaked me out. And it was enough to get me off to look for natural therapies and a way to to change or stop what was actually happening to my body. Prior to this, not only did I not exercise, I also ate really, really badly. Like I would eat six Subway cookies in a day. I would have chocolate for breakfast, you know, um, bread and butter and sugar as a snack, hot chip sandwiches. I mean, I, I cooked well. I ate really good meals at night, but I had a sugar addiction and I would not eat through the day, but I would eat biscuits and lollies. Ask anyone who knew me before I moved to the new state and started a new career. They know what I was like. I was never overweight, but I was always skinny fat and unhealthy. The way I had eaten and the stress I had lived my life with really affected my internal system. At one point, I had been addicted to very harsh laxatives for several years, all because I wanted to stay skinny. You know, I wanted to look a particular way and I just thought, okay, I can eat wherever I want and then I can just down these um, harsh laxatives a couple of times a week and that will take care of it. I had absolutely no clue about nutrition and the human body and how it actually worked and I really abused my body. So anyway, I decided that I wanted to find out the effects, like I mentioned before, of exercising and the food that I was putting into my body, how it was affecting my mental state because I would feel so stressed out being a mum on my own with my three little boys and all the pressure that I had to deal with, um, I would feel so stressed out. But when I went and exercised, I didn't feel like a psycho, essentially. Um, I would come home and I'd be a better mum. And I felt so guilty about taking time out for myself because within my marriage, you know, I never did anything for myself. It was always about my husband, the family, the home, the business and the children and everyone else. It felt wrong to do anything for myself. But I knew this was not a healthy way of thinking. I knew it was wrong. And it took me about a year of going, I know that this isn't wrong. I know it feels wrong to me. And I feel guilty for taking time out for myself to go and work out, but this isn't the way I should feel. So I persisted and I kept going. And then one day I woke up and essentially I didn't feel guilty about taking time out for myself. And why shouldn't I feel guilty for taking time out for myself? Well, because particularly mums out there, I'm speaking to you and even partners like to support your your partners, your wives, mother of your children. The better we are physically, mentally, and emotionally, all humans, the better we are to the people around us. That includes our children. That includes our partners. That includes our friends, our family. Anyone who comes into contact with us is going to receive the better side of us if we are taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. So there comes in my philosophy, change one life, change many. So I had to change my life in order to change many. And that started with me and then it rippled out to my children. So the habits that they were going to pick up, the sorts of expectations they are going to have in their own relationships when they grow up and have them, the way that they're going to raise their children, the way that they're going to support each other and their partners in relationships, you know, and this huge ripple happens. That's just within my family. And then when I decided to go and do a personal trainer's course, remember, it was only for personal interest because I did not want to be a personal trainer. I absolutely loved what I was doing. I love that three times a week I was at the Australian Institute of Fitness and I was surrounded by people who wanted to be there, who who were passionate, who were positive. It was great. It was almost like a drug for me. The crazy thing is I had no idea that when I signed up to do this course that I was going to completely change the trajectory of my life. I ended up becoming a personal trainer. I met some amazing friends, one of my absolute best ever friends through doing that course. And this is what I love. I love that. When you make one decision to do something in life or to say yes to an opportunity, what else it can impact, who you can meet, what direction it can take you on, what path it can take you on. It really, really excites me. Anyway, I became a personal trainer, started working with people, training them and realized that I was more of a counselor than 
just getting people to physically move their body. And what I had done in terms of changing my health and my fitness um, and working on my own mindset, all the work that I was doing on it, I was able to use that to help my clients. And that really excited me. That filled up my cup. And it didn't feel like I was going to work. It felt like I was going to have fun. I absolutely loved it. But I did have a whole bunch of limiting beliefs. And as we all do, and I've worked on them for many, many years, and every now and then a new one will pop up and I'll work on that one. So one of my limitations when I became a personal trainer was, who am I to tell someone what to do with their food if I've never had a lot of weight to lose? How can I relate to them? I'm a hypocrite to be, to be standing there and telling them, okay, this is what you need to do with your food. You need to change this. You need to change that. You need to change the other. Because who am I to tell them that if I've never had to do that? I could still eat chocolate. And I was still eating, you know, chocolate. Not like a little bit. I was still eating quite a lot. My my eating habits, even though I've done a personal trainer's course, they were better because of my health issues and training. But they were definitely far from where they needed to be. So I decided to embark on a journey to compete. This was back in about 2012, I think. 2012, 2013. When I say compete, I'm talking about competing in bodybuilding as a fitness model. So this scared the bejesus out of me because I did not like standing up in front of people. I did not like all eyes on me because that was exposure and I wanted to stay hidden. But doing this challenge meant that I couldn't be hidden. And I had no idea when I signed up for this, how many things were going to come up for me, how many limitations and fears were going to be presenting really, really big fears about being seen, about not being able to compete, about being a quitter, about being a failure, you know, all the negative self-talk that was going on in my head. This is when I started to really write goals down and listen to Tony Robbins religiously, morning and night, morning and night, to enable me to get through competing. So competing, some of you may know, some of you may not. Basically, you have a certain period of time to get to stage. You have to train. You have to stay on your training plan, essentially six days a week, sometimes twice a day. Um, You have to eat a specific way and you have to supplement your body as well. I was so afraid of my own failure and that I wouldn't be able to follow through with this commitment that I actually kept it a secret. I only told a couple of people, maybe two or three people. I didn't tell anyone that I worked with at the gym or my clients until very close to the time that I was going to compete. Even less than a week before getting on stage, I was still not certain that I would do it. I was so scared of failing and of getting up there and looking like a fool. And you know what? I was actually even scared that I would walk so fast that I would walk straight off the end of the stage and make a right fool of myself. So I'm really exposing myself here in my own, my own fears. But I did it. I followed through. I did everything that I needed to do to get myself on stage. And in doing so, I smashed through so many limitations, like this big wall that I'd built up in my own life. And there was this whole other world on the other side of this wall that I'd never seen because I built up this wall of limitations in my own mind. And it felt like I knocked holes through this wall. I hadn't knocked it right down, but I'd knocked holes through this wall by doing what I needed to do and overcoming the challenges that I had to get myself on stage. And I will do another episode where I speak a little bit more specifically about what those challenges were, the mental games that I played with myself to get myself to stage, because those things are really transferable and applicable to so many areas of our own lives. But anyway, I got up there, I got on stage, I achieved what I said I was going to achieve, which was a second place and a third place trophy in the two competitions 
competitions that I competed in. At the time, there weren't lots of different categories. Whether you were a mum, whether you're 30, 40, 20, 19, short or tall, we were all in the same lineup. So the first time I competed and I was the only mum on that lineup and I came away with my second place trophy and that's what I'd written down that I was going to achieve. Now, you may wonder, why didn't I write down that I would achieve anything more? Well, that has to do with my limitations because I thought as I was sitting down writing my goals that, and goal setting was brand new to me at this point in time. I only started doing it because I'd listened to Tony Robbins' Personal Power and Awaken the Giant Within book, and that's where I learned about writing goals. So as I was writing it down, I wanted to write that I'd get a first place, but my doubts were so big and they were so loud that I told myself, well, there's no way you could possibly get first because no one gets first in their first competition. Now, I know that happens a lot now, but back then, to the best of my knowledge, you didn't just come first. You know, you had to really work hard. So I wrote second and third and second and third is exactly what I got. But going back to my clients, what I learned through this and what I felt like I earned the right to do was to to help my clients who were overweight and needed to lose weight to guide them through telling them what to do with their food because I didn't feel like I had the right to do that because I'd never gone through changing what I ate and going, you know what, I love eating chocolate every day and now I can't. And I wanted to understand my clients from a different perspective. And I felt after competing amongst many other things that I now had earned the right to be able to tell my clients and help my clients and guide them through what it was going to be like to stop doing something that they essentially did or liked doing every single day, like drinking coffee or iced coffee or eating a particular food or or eating lots of chocolates every day. So it was almost like a, a self-study that I did. Isn't it crazy the things that we put ourselves through and the way that we think in terms of our mind and, and our limiting beliefs? So I was a personal trainer for several years and then I started um, coaching people. I started a new business, Body Composition Analysis, which I worked in many gyms because I knew I wasn't always going to be a personal trainer. What I did know with what I had gone through in my life was that I wanted to use my experiences to help other people. I didn't know essentially how, but I also didn't want to just help people one-to-one, which is why I stepped away from personal training. I wanted to help more people per hour. And that's what I started to do when I was out there speaking, running um, some workshops, um, working at some women's health retreats and running some sessions there and essentially running my body composition analysis business, which meant I could help more people per hour. So I discovered an absolute passion for helping people change their lives holistically, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So fast forward now, this you know, it's been 10 years since my husband committed suicide. I've moved from Northern Territory to South Australia for about eight and a half years. I've recently moved to another state in Australia, Queensland. I just sold up, packed up, moved my children to be closer to the family and for this beautiful sunshine and hot weather and started all over again. Now, the podcast came from my love of wanting to help people and to reach more people. I figured that if I could share my knowledge, but not just mine, interview people who have had challenging circumstances and gone on to be successful in sports or their chosen field or career or be entrepreneurs, that that is something that my listeners, you could relate to in your own life, whether um, it's to do with your health and fitness, whether it's to do with, you know, you've got a side gig and, or you want to have a side gig to move out of your specific career or, um, You've got limiting beliefs and they affect your relationships or your fitness or your potential or your potential to live life from a bucket list of dreams instead of bucket list of regrets, right? So in my own journey, when I was struggling with decisions that I had to make, I'd get really stressed out about it. And then 
I had a friend who once said to me, and it was an old, old member at a gym, not even a client, just a member that I'd gotten to know at a gym that I'd worked at as a personal trainer. They said to me, to help me work it out, if you're on your deathbed tomorrow, what would you regret? And so these days I go, if I'm on my deathbed tomorrow, if I'm struggling with making a decision, what am I going to regret? That I didn't take this opportunity, that I did make this decision, that I chose, you know, to go left or right. And that really helped me to put everything into perspective. So there you have it. That is why I started the Life Body Business Impact podcast to help you in any area of your life. So I really want you to to live your life to the fullest. I want to help as many people as possible live their life on purpose and with passion. Yes, it may sound cliched, but I see so many people just in the rat race, too afraid to do what needs to be done to step out of their comfort zone. So my hope, my wish, and my prayer is that the episodes that I bring to you, the interviews that I bring to you will give you the strength, the guidance, the courage, the knowledge, the inspiration, even motivation to go and change your life and live a life that you absolutely love. And that doesn't mean it isn't going to be hard and it isn't going to be without challenges. So talk to you soon. Thank you so much for staying and listening and see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly hope you have found it beneficial and have taken some value from it. Hopefully a lot. If you did, please, please share this show with anyone you feel may need to hear it. I would also absolutely love if you would take a minute or two to review this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you happen to be listening to it on. With your help, we can accomplish my mission to positively impact 10 million lives. That would be so awesome. Now, if you want to connect with me or my guests on other platforms, or if you want to send me an email with questions or ideas of guests to interview, please check out the show notes. I am so incredibly grateful to have had your time today, and I can't wait to have you on the next episode. Have a great day.